Welcome to this last edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 16th of November, 2020. Happy to be with you on this Monday night as we um, <clears throat> wrap up a 10th week of the NFL season. Bears and Vikings are playing right now. Bears, Vikings are up 7-3. I really like the Vikings in this game um, in, regard, in regards to how they're playing, playing well right now. Um, especially with Dalvin Cook and seemingly have gotten their defense somewhat fixed. So Vikings could be, you know, interesting, you know, moving down, you know, moving forward, um, not as far as a contender, but as far as somebody that can uh, really uh, challenge teams who are trying to make the playoffs or trying to get home field advantage. Uh, we're going to begin as always with today's headlines, Dustin Johnson, is your Masters champion for 2020. At the age of 36, he wins his second major and he did it in style. Just a overpowering, dominating performance to say the least. He was spectacular, going 20 under, winning the, um, winning the tournament by five strokes, the biggest margin of victory going back since Tiger Woods' 1997. Uh, Masters win, which was, of course, historic in its own right, in terms of how, you know, in terms of the, you know, when Woods shot, was Woods shot 18 on the par and just blew everybody away. Uh, this was, you know, again, Johnson was spectacular and none the, like, he's taking a lot of heat for um, not being able to finish. Um, for, you know, some people say wasting his talent, even though he's won 24, uh, 24 tournaments, which is a lot. It's a lot of tournaments to win. And he's 36 years old. He, I mean, he's he's won a lot of tournaments over the course of his career. They haven't, you know, they have not equaled out to winning majors. Um, but he's about to go on a nice little run here. You, you win. This is his first uh, major since 2016, the 2016 U.S. Open. I could see him going on a run a two to three year run where he wins three or four majors. I easily could see it. We've never doubted his talent. He's the guy is probably the most gifted player in the sport right now. Um, and has been for the last two or three and has been for the last, you know, the better part of the last two or three years. I know other guys have gotten hot and have come up and, and have seemingly passed him in regards to majors. But as far as talent, he's the guy right now in, in golf. There's no two ways about it. He's played great this year. This is his fourth uh, tournament win. Remember, um, he won a, a tournament where he was went at the Canadian Open. He was 30 under. So I can see him going on a major run. And he, the thing about Johnson that you like or that you love, if you're a golf fan, is he's always in contention. This guy's 20 top 10 finishes in majors since 2009. 20 top 10 finishes. Just think about that. So he, I think he's going to go on a nice little run here in the next couple of years, similar to what Spieth, Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka type runs that they went on when they won their first majors. I could see him going on that. I could see him going on uh, going on that after winning this, his first Masters. It was a tournament that he desperately wanted uh, wanted to win, uh, um, and he came, you know, of course, came close last year with a with a top with a uh, second place finish. Um, Tiger was not in contention for, for the most part after the first round. He had a big first round, but then kind of faded as the tournament went along. 
and had a rough day yesterday, especially at the 10th hole where he goes, he shoots a, you know, he shoots a, a 10 on the 12th hole, which is his highest score out of any hole that he's ever shot, that he's ever played in his career, hit three, ball, three balls in Ray's Creek. And it wasn't expected that Tiger was going to win this tournament. Um, listen, Tiger's 43 years old. And I'm not saying Tiger, I, I, I'm not saying Tiger won't win another major. You know, we saw what happened last year in the, two, in, in the 2019 at the Masters, but it's going to be very, very difficult for him to, to get back to that level. It depends about getting back to the level that he once was. That's, that's over with physically. He's 43 years old. But for him to even win another major, it's going to be, I would bet on him not winning another major because the golf game, the golf turn, you know, the golf, uh, the field is so deep with talent and young talent. Um, a bunch of 20 year olds, guys who have no fear of Tiger. And then you still got the Rory McIlroy's of the world. You still got, you know, Brooks Kepka. You still got, of course, you know, now Dustin Johnson's and, and got guys, it just is it's, the game is as deep as it's ever been in the sport of golf in terms of talent. It really is. And now every 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 major that you see is a new guy that emerges. That's that's that you that you look and say, hey, this guy is going to be a major. It's going to be a a, uh, a major tournament type. It's going to be a, it's going to win a major tournament. So uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for Tiger to win another major, let alone um, tie or pass Jack Nicholas for that record in terms of uh, majors. Uh, Drew Brees is out. He's gonna be out for at least two to three weeks, possibly even a month with the fractured lip, with, with uh, fractured ribs and a collapsed lung. He took a, just, you know, he was slammed to the ground by um, a San Francisco defensive, San Francisco defender in the 49ers Saints uh, win in the, in the Saints win victory over the 49ers uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, James Winston will be the starter, more than likely. Um, now, Sean Payton wanted no part of giving giving us anything on Drew Brees' condition as far as his status for the next week or and what have you. Says he'll give that information out Wednesday. I understand, be, you know, because he frankly doesn't know how long Drew Brees is going, to, is going to be out. And, you know, he's playing, you know, it's a little bit of gamesmanship for the next opponent, not wanting, you know, wanting to, you know, maybe hold off till the end of the week to give uh, the uh, their opponent less preparation time to get ready for, for you know, that, you know, basically forcing them to prepare for multiple quarterbacks. They got, they really had to prepare for three. Could be Taysom Hill, could be Drew Brees, it could be James Winston, but it's more than likely going to be James Winston. Um, you're the Saints, you got to really start thinking about if they haven't thought about already the future in regard, and the future might be now in regards to who's going to be their quarterback moving forward. Drew Brees, the last two seasons, has missed significant time. It's going to be second straight year that he's missed significant time with an injury. Um, now, the Saints are going to, you know, the Saints are, are rolling right now. And I can see them even, can, you know, despite the fact that Breeze could be out a month, I don't see them falling off. I don't see them falling off that dramatically considering how, how good their defense is. They have a system. They have a foundation. We saw them with Bridgewater last year and how well they played. 
Um, even with, I know Jameson can be a, 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 you know, a train wreck, but uh, he is playing under, he's playing, he is playing under Sean Payton. So maybe he'll go out there and, and, and earn him a starting job for the future, not with the, for the future. And remember, yes, he's also playing for a starting job, possibly to be the, the, the Saints quarterback of the future. So Winston has a lot of incentive to go out there and play well, not saying that he will, but um, I think the Saints will be fine without Drew Brees for, you know, two to four, you know, for even two to three weeks or maybe even a month. Maybe it costs them home field, possibly, which, does, which by the way, which will mean a lot to them because they're a different team. They're a different team indoors um, in the dome versus outside the dome. But keep this in mind, they do have a, a tremendous defense. They have a very good defense that travels, have an excellent running game. So, Maybe that is not as big of a deal this year as it has been in, say, uh, past years. But again, if you're the Saints, you're that organization, you have to be thinking about who's going to be your next quarterback. They're certainly looking closely at at Winston. Will be Taysom Hill is not going to be that guy. He's not a he is not a starting quarterback. He is a perfect gadget player who you want to bring in for, he's a, he's a perfect situational football player. He is not a court. He is not a starting quarterback in this league. There's no, like that guy. I have not seen enough for me to say that this guy is going to be, it's going to be an every down quarterback. Maybe he can be a guy you bring in. Like I said, he's perfect for the role that you have right now. Um, so it's either going to be Jameis Winston or somebody or, or that player or a player that we have not seen yet. But I, I think Drew Brees is days. Are, are frankly gonna are gonna be numbered because I, I think Breeze will get to the point to where he's you know listen he's made a ton of money won a Super Bowl I, yeah I think he'll get to the point to where he just doesn't want to take the, the physical punishment anymore like, the guy is you know forty years old forty what Breeze is like forty one I think Breeze is forty one he's over forty I know that so that'll be very interesting to watch and to see how Jameis Winston plays um, moving forward. Week 10 action, um, you had some, you had a couple, um, eh, not a spectacular week of football, of, of football. Of course, we have to leave with what transpired in Arizona uh, between the Cardinals and, and Bills. It's seemingly a game where the Bills were in complete control. At one point, the Bills were up 23 to nine. Um, they had done an excellent job at holding, uh, at holding, um, Kyler Murray in check up until that point, up until that point in the game, Kyler Murray gets loose. Uh, they come back. Then we get into a point to where it's back and forth. Um, you have, uh, you have Allen, Kyle Allen, uh, not Kyle Allen, Josh Allen make, you know, make some ridiculous throws um, late in that game. One, the, the last one for the touchdown, uh, for the uh, the touchdown, Stephon Diggs. You think Buffalo has got it sealed, and then Arizona goes, you know, gets to, you know, Arizona gets to about midfield, uh, a, little, a little inside the forty yard line, and Kyler, Kyler Murray just makes a play where you just it's not supposed to be made. First of all, he looked like he was about to throw a ball, about to run out of bounds. He throws the ball basically 40, 45 yards in the air. And DeAndre Hopkins, who you can certainly make a case being the best receiver in football and, and, and has been maybe the last two to three years, makes just a ridiculous catch over basically three to four, 
four defenders for a game for the game winning touchdown. Heartbreaking loss for the Bills. Uh, that was a game where, for the most part, they played well. Now, now Allen had a couple shaky interceptions, and he, you know, he has a little Brett Favre to be honest with you. He has a he is as physically gifted as any quarterback in the league, even even like on Mahomes and Rogers level. Like he's that physically gifted to where he can make any throw, but he's at a stage in his career to where his he trusts his arm too much. He may and he could have easily had three or four interceptions yesterday uh only through two and they were two bad ones at that but you know second year he's in the second year a lot of talent so at least if you're buffalo for the first time since basically since jim kelly you have i think a, a legit franchise caliber quarterback who has a chance to be a, a player in this league but that's a brutal loss for buffalo um they could have went to eight and two um now they pulled Miami into the mix as as we saw the Dolphins win over the Chargers yesterday. Now that is a, a legitimate race in the AFC East. But give Arizona a lot of credit. Kyler Murray is starting to enter. You know, he's you have to start to give him some MVP consideration. We'll talk more about that later in regards to the MVP. But he he's been spectacular this year, uh, making a lot of plays. And um, that's, you know, that's one of the wins that you, if Arizona just pulled out of their asses, basically, they pulled that win just straight out of their asses. They should not, they had no business winning that game. None, to be honest with you. No business winning that game. They, to me, were outplayed. Um, but again, a couple of turnovers, a couple of interceptions kept Buffalo, um, kept Arizona in that game and they were able to pull it off pull it off, pull it off with the last second uh, Hail Mary. Again, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, sometimes players just make plays. I, I I guess, I don't know, outside of having, you know, outside of the, the four guys being taller or having more athletic ability, I don't know what they could have done. He just, he just jumped over them and took the ball. It's just that simple. So sometimes it's not about what the defense didn't do. It's about you, sometimes you got to give the offensive player uh, they're just doing in terms of you got a, a guy who's going to be a Hall of Fame receiver making a Hall of Fame play. Uh, great win by New England over Baltimore last night. That was a vintage Patriot win, a season a season saving Patriot win, if you ask me. Um, as you know, you know they go to if they go to three and six, then I think their season's finished. Right now, they you know they they have a pulse at four and five. And listen, this is the difference in that game. The weather was horrible. I mean, it was rainy conditions, tornado-like conditions all up and down the East Coast from D.C. up, up to New York, uh, to be honest with you. Um, so the weather was horrible. But the Patriots play are used to playing in horrible weather. They said, you know what, Cam Newton, you're going you're gonna to hand the ball off. You're gonna, we're going to just run the ball. And, and, and make less mistakes and take our chances. And that's what happened. Um, Baltimore, for whatever reason, decided to throw the ball 34 times. And they were, I mean, they ran the ball as well. You know, ran, they had 28 rushes, but in, that was a game that was just, to me, you, you just run the football in that game. You run the football and try to hope that your defense can force a mistake. And you have a great kicker in Justin Tucker. So you have an advantage from that standpoint. But even, you know, so I just thought that that was just, a, you know, that that loss is just as much on uh, John Harbaugh 
and Baltimore coaching staff, which I've said a couple times over the course of the season than it was any individual performance, um, than it was on any individual player or performance in that game. A lot of people want to get on Lamar Jackson. He's been, you know, seemingly a, a human pinata from fans lately in the last couple of weeks. I don't think he even, I honestly don't blame that game on Lamar Jackson. He had the one interception, um, had the one interception that, you know, I, that he certainly would have loved to take back. But for the most part, threw the ball relatively well, um, did his normal thing in terms of running the ball. Uh, to me, I, I look at that as you have one team who knew their strengths and played to their strengths a little bit better than the other team did. It's just that simple. And one team that handled the conditions better than the other team. They handled the conditions better than New England. And Baltimore is, Baltimore is a physical team as well. They're a physical team. They're hard notes. You know, they could be three yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, New England, you know, New England just – they're built for that type of weather. They practice in that type of weather. So that was the conditions were not going to bother them whatsoever. You knew they're not going to turn over the ball. You know they're not going to commit a lot of penalties. So you have to play, you know, even this year, even this year with the team with, with New England not being what they once was, you still have to play disciplined football to uh, to beat them. And uh, Baltimore did not. And not so much in terms of making a lot of mistakes. It was just even with their play calling, uh, with their play calling. So a tough loss for Baltimore. Great win for New England. Um, we'll see if New England can New England can get on a little run here. Um, they can use this game to kind of you know kickstart their playoff hopes. I still don't believe that they're going to make the playoffs myself. But again, at four and five, they at least have a pulse. Um, Excellent win for the Rams, 23-16 over the, uh, over the Seahawks. It was a defensive clinic that they put on Russell Wilson. They knocked him around. Um, Wilson now has his interceptions. He's up to 10 interceptions now. He has not played well in the last, really, I would say the last two to three weeks has been outplayed. Got outplayed by Jared Goff yesterday. Was outplayed by Josh Allen the previous week, uh, the previous week against Buffalo. So, Again, that defense and um, the defense uh, didn't really show up for Seattle, though you can't go too crazy because they only gave up 23 points. Um, they count too much on Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson doesn't play like Superman every week, they're going to have a tough time winning football games. It's just that simple. Um, there are games that Russell Wilson has played this year where he has been Superman and they have struggled to win or barely have won. Eventually, when you win a number of close games where it could go, that could go either way, sometimes that pendulum switches to the other side and you're on the other side of, of close, of, of some close losses. I think it's, I think Seattle right now, um, they are, you know, they, they're going to struggle to get to the day. They they're going to struggle to get to the playoffs the way it's looking like that, that division, that division is brutal. Um, they're in a tough part of their schedule right now. So they, it's going to be a very interesting to see if they even make the playoffs. And I, if I said that to you a month ago, you would look at me like I was crazy. But they're six and three right now in a brutal division. The MC West is, is you know, the MC West and the AFC North are the two best divisions in football, um, easily by far. And they still have a number of tough games left. And again, 
it's you know they they you gotta do a better job at building around Russell Wilson. Um, I know he's getting paid a number a ton of money, which he which he deserves, but that team should be a little bit better all around out, outside of him. Um, they should be better defensively. I mean, they, they, I mean, they, they, they made their trademark on defensive football and now they are just an absolute just joke as a defensive, as a defensive team. They, they are they, they're hard to watch, to be honest with you. You mentioned Miami and the charges. Uh, Brian, Brian Flores has done a tremendous, just spectacular job with that team. Just, shifting that culture and it started last season you know everybody's talking about Miami um last year with the tanking and going you know playing you know tanking for the number one pick and what have you they got off to a slow start and they ended the season and it you know had that great win in the last week that um knocked uh, New England out of uh out of a out of home field advantage or at least a second, or at least one of the, one of the top two spots in the um, in the AFC and um, and AFC, and they have not looked back since, since then. They're six and three now. They are in the thick of that AFC East. I cannot wait for those games against Buffalo. Um, that team plays hard. They're excellent defensively. Um, they first time in since in Justin Herbert's young career that he that he basically was shut down. They shut he was shut he really was shut down yesterday. Um, he saw Tua uh, Tagovailoa just continue to just win. That's all he does is win. Uh, he now three and zero in his in his short career as the quarterback of the Dolphins. And the Dolphins are going to be a very interesting team to watch because they play sound football. They don't beat themselves. They are excellent defensively. And they have a quarterback that they believe in, so that makes for a dangerous just combination, to say the least. And I can't wait to those Buffalo Miami games. Those will be fun games to watch. Uh, and even even Miami New England, to be honest with you, uh, with New England still being somewhat in the mix. Uh, Green Bay over Jacksonville, nothing to write home about if you're a Packer fan. 24-20, they struggled to win the game. Um, just did enough. And again, can you name five Jaguars? Because I can't. I, I don't even know who plays for Jacksonville, to be honest with you. <laughs> that team looks nothing like the team we saw like two like two years ago when they had a, a great young defense and Jalen Ramsey and Calais Campbell, those guys. That team, uh, Miles Jack, I mean, that team, this team looks like an expansion team. Uh, so uh, even the quarterback, I'm like, who, like, who's this guy? Like, who is this guy? I, I've never heard of a guy. But um, it was almost good enough to beat the Packers. Again, the Packers, you know, they're, they're winning, but they're not winning impressively. They're, they're seven and two, but it's not a strong seven and two. Now, you're going to say, hey, seven and two or seven and two. You know, that's, you know, we could be fair about that, but I, I don't like the way the Packers are playing right now. I really I don't. I still, again, I still think that the team is soft defensively. Um, no, offensively, they're fine. You know, Aaron Rodgers is certainly a top, legit top three MVP candidate and, you know, was number one rated quarterback in the league right now as far as quarterback rating. But uh, I don't like I don't like Green Bay, how Green Bay is playing at, at all right now. And we all, of course, we already mentioned what happened with New Orleans and uh, San Francisco. Um, also, you saw Joe Burrow get introduced to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, 
um, or re yeah, get re yes, introduced to the Pittsburgh Steelers in that great defense. They, Burrow had no chance in that game, had zero chance. Uh, 36 to 10, the Steelers rolled all over all over Cincinnati, who had been playing teams tough, even though they weren't winning games. They were playing teams tough, losing a lot of close games. This game was over at halftime. Uh, Roethlisberger has four, 300 yards passing, four touchdown passes, and really should be mentioned among among players in the MVP conversation. You, you're the quarterback on a team that's undefeated, and you've, th you've put up the numbers, 22 touchdowns and four interceptions. You deserve MVP consideration. Now, do I think he's the MVP? No, I would probably give that to Mahomes right now, but he deserves serious consideration. And I really haven't, on a national scene, I haven't heard too much about Roethlisberger being a MVP candidate. He is absolutely an MVP candidate. He's only, his team is undefeated. And remember, they had a top defense last year. Defense just didn't get good this year. That top defense last year, you know what the difference is? They have a quarterback. So um, it's going to be a very inter interesting um, couple of weeks in the NFL. You, of course, uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. Pittsburgh, I think, will lose to Baltimore on Thanksgiving night. I think that'll be the game that they lose. I'm not, I don't start taking teams serious to be number, to be undefeated, go undefeated until they reach double digits, until they reach. 10, 11, 12 wins, preferably 11 wins. You get to 11, though, then it's like, okay, what's, you know, what's good here? But uh, it's still a little too early to be talking them possibly going undefeated. I think their schedule is too hard moving, you know, moving forward, to be honest with you. And um, just, you know, going undefeated in today's game or even, or even sniffing uh, perfection in the NFL today is virtually impossible. Like, unless you have a super team, which, which there's nobody in the league that has that, you know, 2007 Patriots or even uh, the Colt team, Indianapolis Colts team in 2005. Um, so there's no team on that level, um, on that level. The last team that almost went undefeated then uh, was the Saints, I think started off 2009, 13-0, and then lost their last three games. So uh, then lost their last three games. Green Bay, I think 2011 started out like 11-0. They end up going 15 and one. So I think it's just too hard uh, to even think about a team going undefeated. But right now, Pittsburgh is the most complete team in football. I still think Kansas City is the best because of Mahomes and the fact that they know how to win. Um, they know how to win and played in a number of big games in the last couple of years uh, with the two with the back-to-back -back conference championships, but um, championship game appearances. But I, I, I think that um, Pittsburgh, you know, you want to do a power rings there? Yeah, yeah, it could be. They'll probably they'll probably be number one. They're undefeated, but I, I still think Kansas City is the the best team um, in football. So, uh, 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 interesting. You know, I was watching these games this week uh, on Sunday. One o'clock was, you know, it was whatever with the one o'clock slate. They had there were so you had. On the four o'clock slate, you had the Rams, Seattle, um, Arizona, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. You had the four o'clock slate was a lot stronger than the one o'clock slate, which is normally not the case. And you had, I think it was broken up well, because of this, you know, scheduling and COVID. You had five four o'clock, five one o'clock games and six four o'clock games, which is something that you don't see often. So some quirky scheduling, you know, due to 20, you know, this is 2020 and this is, you know, with COVID and, and 
games being postponed and schedule changes and what have you. Uh, just, uh, just a strange Sunday to uh, watch football, especially in that four o'clock um, in that four o'clock window. So we're going to shift uh, shift gears a bit uh, on the Real Deal podcast. Again, always as always, this is uh, Surreal Gerald Quinn. Um, you can definitely check out our latest episode of the Wire Backburners, season three, episode seven, Backburners, along with myself, along with Rob Sapp, have a big episode coming up coming up this week. A huge with, with, with episode eight. It's going it's, it's going to be it's going to be a big big episode. To say the least, but this was a this was an interesting one, as well. So check that out when you get a chance to um, the Wire remix uh, with with Surreal Gerald Quinn and Robert Sapp. Um, but you know, let's shift gears to what's been going on in hip hop in 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 regards to recent a uh, just a rash of shootings that have taken place recently. You had three basically in almost in a week. Um, we know King Vaughn was shot and killed on November 6th, Mo3 shot and killed last week, and Benny the Butcher and Bootsy Badass were, were shot. Luckily, thankfully, they survived those survived those shootings. Um, I was looking this up yesterday. You realize since 2018, you've had 11 rappers shot and killed. That doesn't, that doesn't even include the number of guys that were shot and survived. I'm just talking about guys that have been shot and killed, 11 in two years. And to me, it's gotten to a point to where if you are, if you're hip hop and there are a handful of power brokers in hip hop, Diddy, Snoop, Jay-Z, T.I., Nas, Common, I mean, we know, we know, we know, the, we know what this list look, what this list looks like. It has to be, there has to be a sense of we have to like, we have to start at least speaking on this, and we have to, again, I don't have, there's no solution per se. You know, guys are grown; they're gonna make grown man decisions. You can't control somebody's actions or what they do per se, but it ha- it needs to be addressed by hip hop and by, by those hip hop power brokers because you don't want to get to a sense where this is normalized, where this is becoming, you know, oh, by the way, so-and-so was shot and killed, moving right along. And you have a generation that, you know, that needs mentorship. That needs mentorship. I I was listening to someone talk about, you know, Biggie and Tupac, and why that went down the way it went down. Um, no one, you know, no one stepped in to say, "Hey, this shit is not cool." As far as going back and forth, somebody could get, you know, somebody could get killed. No one stepped in and said that. No one. No one. Not that I remember. And there were no guys that came before them that seemingly publicly. And I apologize if, if somebody did privately, privately, but publicly didn't certainly didn't step in and say, you know, try to 
pull in, you know, Biggie or Tupac and say, hey, like, you know, take it easier or, you know, or, or, and it was difficult for them from that standpoint, because those guys were two of the biggest stars uh, at the time in hip hop. They, you can make a case they were the two biggest stars in hip hop at the time, maybe two of the biggest stars in music. I mean, those guys, you know, Tupac was, was an icon uh, before he passed away. So, but this is different. It's different from the standpoint of you, you have a number of guys who are at that stage in their career who are absolute icons and are respected in the world of hip hop, who are they, if they step up and really call this out and not so much call this out, but really embrace that mentorship from in that leadership that it could go a long way in kind of calming, calming these waters. And mentorship and leadership doesn't mean you go and say, hey, you know, take leave the killing in your hood. Don't bring it to Atlanta, as, as in the case of what T.I. said last week. That's that's not what I'm talking about. And that's that that accomplished accomplishes nothing from a positive standpoint. It does nothing. It really doesn't. And T.I. shouldn't have said it. <laughs> like he there's all there is to it. But, you know, you need, you know, these guys coming up need mentorship. And I don't know how that looks. I don't know how that's going to look per se. I don't know if that's, you know, hitting somebody up through a DM saying, hey, you good? Or I don't know that, again, I don't know how logistically that could look, but it needs to be addressed. And, you know, if, if, if these power brokers or people in hip hop love hip hop as much as they claim to love hip hop, then they, then this is something that, that um that has to be addressed because you can't have you can't have your young brothers getting taken out left and right and it, again it becomes just normal now, again there are a variety of reasons why a variety of reasons of why this is happening i think you get a lot of guys who can't separate themselves from from making it in the street life and find themselves in that catch 22 of you know survivor's remorse um or just not having the right people around them like i don't need you to be a shooter i got i'll get i'll get armed security i need I'll, you're gonna be around me i need you i want you to help run my business i want you to help build my brand i want you to help you know i can give you a job what do you do well let's try i mean let you know let's have people around you doing positive things like okay, you know, you used to cut hair. All right, let's 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 open up a barbershop. But again, though that kind of advice needs to needs to come from, you know, these these living legends that these living legends that we have in hip hop. And there are a number. Hip hop is a listen. Hip hop is the biggest thing in music by far. It's the most powerful force in music by far. And there are a number of living legends in hip hop. A number of them. Ice Cube, I could put into that mix as well. I forgot to forgot to mention him. He's he's definitely falls in that category. Dr. Dre, number of guys. It, it, it's, uh, I mean, the resources the resources are there to help along this next generation. If right now, what's what's going to happen is it's going to get to a point to where this becomes normalized, and then you're going to have a generation following this generation who actually thinks that you know. Killing is, you know, is actually a way of branding, or or just a, a somewhat a, a rite of passage. 
or just don't care about dying, which is which is starting to happen anyway. Um, in, in you know with today's generation, just you know get to a point and like again, a lot of things. This is not me attacking this generation. I'm really I'm not. I'm not attacking this generation rappers uh, in terms of how they conduct themselves, in terms of what they're doing. I'm saying they need help. They need help. They need you know they need leadership. So uh, again, this needs this immediately needs to be addressed. And I'm not going to go as far as to say that hip hop can't survive this, and this will be the end of hip hop. But uh, but 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 man, if you 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 know this keeps happening, it's it's not you know hip hop will not be in a good place five to ten years from now. It, it will not be in a good place. And, and by and you know what, it could be the end of hip hop in five to ten years if this keeps happening. This keeps happening. You have a whole generation that hasn't been taught and hasn't been taught, or a whole generation that normalizes killing, that normalizes murder and killing, then that that could this could be the beginning of the end of hip hop. So I think that again, there are a number of resources and leaders out there, you know, uh, in terms of that who have done iconic things. There are a number of living legends who can go, who have major major voices that can make it that can that can really go a long way in in, in terms of in terms of normal in terms of stabilizing this because right now it's out of control absolutely i mean I, 11 in two years 11 11 murders in two years well hard to segue from that but we will try to we will attempt to um a lot of a, a lot of happenings in the NBA. Um, it's gonna be you know the NBA right now is in an interesting place because everything is gonna be coming fast and furious with the season. The draft is Wednesday. Free agency, uh, trades, and this it's all just you know it's all coming all at once because of this you know because of, of the scheduling and and having to play the season until October. Um, a couple of trades that have already happened um, that are going to happen. Um, we have CP3 going to Phoenix. Um, so, so Chris Paul goes to Phoenix for Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen Lacroix, first round pick. Now, this is a great trade for Phoenix. That's all this to it. This is a great trade for Phoenix, getting still one of the better, best point guards in the leagues. Uh, Chris Paul. Chris Paul was uh, second team All NBA last year. He took a team in Oklahoma City that a lot of people, myself, thought could probably would be a lottery team into Game Seven of the first round uh, against Houston uh, as they lost in the playoffs to uh, Harden and, and Westbrook. And he still can play. He still can play at a high level. How many years does he have left in terms of being staying durable, being healthy? We don't, you know. That's, that's almost impossible to measure, but you know he can still play, and he'll be a great mentor to um, Devin Booker. Booker is already on, is already ascending as a future All Star, and I think Phoenix will have a if, if Paul, if, if Chris Paul can stay healthy, I think Phoenix will have an excellent chance. Even in that loaded Western Conference, they will have a, a excellent chance to make the playoffs next year. I really do. Um, as far as Oklahoma City. Again, you gauge Oklahoma City not by what they got back. You gauge them by the fact that 
they want to get under the luxury, you know, they don't want to pay in the luxury tax, the luxury tax, and also they are accumulating draft picks. And with those draft picks, there are two ways you can go about building your team. You know, they have enough draft picks to make trades, to, to, to add talent in the future. They have enough quality picks to where you can draft maybe the next, you know, all-star or franchise player. So they're doing it the right way. They have, they st- and they still have moves to be made. Like Steven Adams could be moved uh, possibly. Um, Gallup Mowry could be moved possibly. So there'll still be some, so there's still some moves that they could, that could be made. You have a future all-star in Shea Gilders Alexander. Um, they have some, they just moved Dennis Stroder, Dennis Struder, and we'll talk about that. Uh, for a first round pick. So they have as many, they, I mean, they have until 2016, they have, I, I think they're about 17 first round picks. Now, again, that not like the NFL with the NBA and first round picks because the depth of talent is not, in, the depth of talent in, in these drafts is not nowhere near as deeper, uh, of course, in the NFL and the NBA as, you know, case as in the NFL. But when you have that many picks, Again, Presley has proven to be able to be able to develop talent and pick talent, develop talent, and they will have picks to pull off trades for players that they might that they might want to acquire. So again, I I, I applaud what they're doing. Um, you know, they just have to. They now it's a, it's a case of them drafting the right players. Um, so. I mean, it's a win-win for uh, both teams, but the biggest winner right now, of course, and, and most most trades, more more times than not in the NBA, nine times, nine, 99% of the time, the team that gets the best player won the trade, and it was clear that uh, Phoenix got the best player in this deal. Lakers are going to get Dennis Stroder from uh, Oklahoma City for Danny Green in the first-round pick. Again, to me, this is an absolute no-brainer deal for the Lakers to make. Uh, Stroder... Uh, Stroder is a scorer. He could be a streaky scorer, but he can score. Um, and the Lakers probably aren't done making moves, as uh, Kuzma could be on the uh, Kuzma could be on the trading block as well. But they needed a play. Stroder is a playmaking guard that can create offense for himself, uh, for other people. But in, in terms, of also for himself, he can take you know take the pressure off LeBron as far as handling the basketball. So he will fit right in. Um, seamlessly with uh with the lakers uh, so i give rob Lincoln a lot of credit uh for that move i didn't really didn't see that didn't see that move coming but uh it makes sense considering where these two teams are the lakers are trying to compete for championships oklahoma city is trying to you know is trying to collect draft picks and shed salary um in regards to what's going on in houston so the to no one's surprise the Russell Westbrook, James Harden shotgun marriage is basically is over. Uh, Westbrook doesn't want to play with Harden. Harden wasn't is not happy with Westbrook, Westbrook about some comments that Westbrook made um, to the team in a January. Now there's a report. There's a report allegedly. There was a report that Westbrook addressed the team in a after a January loss to Portland, and it was with. Uh, according to the report, it was well received by by um, by uh, the teammates, by the team. But um, 
it was not in terms of James Harden. James Harden was James Harden was not in the locker room at the. He might have been, been getting interviewed or something like that. Maybe had a a media a media requirement to fill some whatever. He wasn't in the locker room when that when when Westbrook made address the team after the loss against Portland, and seeing and according to reports was not happy that Westbrook addressed the team, even though his even though the other teammates didn't have a problem with it basically calling guys out, including himself, calling them guys out for um, in terms of what they need to, how they need to improve and get better at. So that, that was only going to be a one, a one and done one year marriage at, at best. Not surprised at all. Uh, Westbrook wants the ball in his hands. Westbrook wants to do Westbrook type things. Westbrook, you know, he's used to, he is used to, Dominating the basketball, this guy has had a, had a record usage rate. Um, has had record usage rates over the course of his career. The question is, what? The question is, who moves first, or do you? Who do you like? Are you going to move both of them? Who are you going to move first? Is now again is much easier by far to move Harden than is Westbrook. Harden still regarded as a top. Five top seven players in this league. He's still in his prime. Um, Westbrook is a six three guard who is at the tail end of his prime and who a contender is not going to touch Westbrook. Westbrook is going to be on one of these teams that is going to be a horrible team and he's going to be like a, a sideshow where he's going to, you, you get, you're getting Westbrook. You're not getting Westbrook to win. You're getting Westbrook to put people in the seats. Yeah, yeah. Get Westbrook, Westbrook score 30, get, 10 assists, 15 rebounds, and we lose by 15. That's basically what you get with Russell Westbrook for. So, and it is much harder to move Westbrook in terms of his salary, his age. He just turned 32. And it's all the end. The point guard position is loaded in the NBA. Not it's not hard to find a, a quality point guard in the NBA right now. So, in regards to Harden, um, you've heard Phil, you're gonna hear Philadelphia, you're gonna hear Brooklyn. I think two teams besides those teams that I would look at that I that to take into consideration in terms of having assets is Milwaukee and Denver. Denver for sure has the assets to get Harden. My in particular, they can give like, you know, you can give them, you can give Harris Barton, Gary Harris, draft pick, and Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. if you really want to make a push at Harden. They have the assets to get Harden. Will they now will they shake up their team? It's another story, but they had they definitely had the assets to get Harden. Harden, as far as Harden, Milwaukee absolutely should try to get Harden. And you can move Middleton, you can move Middleton, and you can move uh, uh, the uh, uh, why is his name Redhead. He has a redhead. Um, the, the the final four MVP from Villanova a couple years ago. I can't think of his name right now for whatever reason. My my mind's went blank. Uh, DiVincenzo, yeah, DiVincenzo. You move, you can move those two and get Harden. Immediately, you become one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. You put Harden in, and and the, you know shows the Greek freak that you're really that you're committed to winning right now. So, and you have Harden under contract for at least two years. So you like that's a move that if I'm Milwaukee, that I'm that I seriously consider. Like I, I would absolutely be on the phone with Houston. Like, hey, we have a uh, we, we're giving you an all-star, giving you a guy who's been all NBA, still in his prime, 
and giving you a young, talented player who's going to be a, a good rotation player. Um, let, let's you know keep us in mind. But more than likely, if Harden is moved, it's going to be one of two places. It's going to be Brooklyn or Philadelphia. Philadelphia has the Ben Simmons that they can that they can you know they can have that they have that ace in the, up in their sleeve up their sleeve as far as no team could even can match the no team could uh, match that trade in terms of getting uh, a star back like Philadelphia could with Ben Simmons. Even Brooklyn, Brooklyn, you know, has some nice pieces with LeVert and uh, Dinwiddie and Jared Allen, but it doesn't match up with to, to Ben Simmons. So I, I think I think one of these guys will be moved. I could see one of them being moved before the season, the other being moved during the season. Or I could just see Houston holding on to both of them and kind of waiting for better deals. Um, but um, I, if, if, if you're telling me which one is going to get moved first, it would be Harden. Uh, I would say Harden would be the first would be the first one to move because it's, he's going to be again he's going to be much easier to move. But again, Houston, listen, Houston's window is closed. Um, now is the time to move on, move on from to move on. If they're going to make a move, then now is the time to move on. If you don't think if you don't think that you can compete for a championship, if you don't think you can compete for a championship, then make the moves. Make the moves. If you don't think you can compete, you can compete for a championship. So we will see what happens. Um, we will see what happens with that. Uh, again, very interesting time for the NBA. Um, the NBA, again, this is going to be a lot that's going to happen in, in, in a month. I mean, the season starts, scheduled to start December 22nd. That's, that's a little over a month. So you're going to be you're going to see a lot of a lot of a lot of news, a lot of NBA news over the course of this next month. Finally, let's wrap up with some real thoughts. Um, it has been a trying year, to say the least, uh, in terms of 2020, with uh, COVID, you know, unemployment, uh, just you know, all the things that have happened. Over the course of 2020, I'll, I'll say this, especially in regards to COVID, we see that these cases are going back up and have shot back up. They're not going; they are they are back up, and they are back up in record numbers, like and on average, like 150,000 cases a day. Uh, be safe, and, and be safe, and be smart. Um, it doesn't mean you have to go out there and lock yourself in the house. And for, you know, until 2022, 2021, 2022, no, you can get outside, you can take walks, you can, you know, selectively and judiciously meet with, with people, a limited amount of people I would encourage. But, um, you know, take this thing seriously. Like, take, like don't uh, listen, listen to the doctors. Don't get, don't even, don't even get caught up in the politics. Listen to the doctors. Um, I think the most underrated thing about COVID is the fact that there's this perception that everything is good. If you don't die, everything is good. And that's not the case. You know, there have been a number of people that have gotten COVID that have still have not recovered from getting it, from having it in March or April, who are still suffering from side effects with, their, with breathing, you know, physically, back, body, just things like people are just, you know, I've heard stories I've, and I've heard, I've heard people discuss this, like 
yo, my back is still fucked up. I'm still having trouble breathing. I st- I'm still taking, you know, painkillers. You don't hear those. You don't hear those stories that often because they're not, you know, they're not the, the end all be all. As far as they're not, it's not, you know, they're not. It's not like a, they're not dying. It's not. It's, you know, it doesn't equate to a person dying, of course. But still, if you can avoid <laughs> having your yourself physically compromised, you know, by all means, avoid having your avoid. If you can avoid COVID, avoid it. You know, you should be able. To, you know, you. Should, I mean, you can get COVID without. You can follow all the procedures. Do all the right things and still end up with COVID. If that happens, then so then it was just it was meant to be. But if you can uh, to go out here and just do some of this, the reckless stuff that I see people, you know, whether in clubs, partying, uh, in in marches, you know, with, with you know with this MAGA march this past weekend, we had where you know you had about thousands of thousands of people with no mask on, a lot of them with no mask on. Just dumb shit like that is just you know it's inexcusable. And again, this is this is the thing that we're gonna. I, I get a sense that we're gonna be battling battling this even with the vaccine that we're gonna be battling this throughout the course of not only forget about just the rest of this year, but throughout the course of 2021, maybe even into 2022. Like I don't I don't see this going away anytime soon, anytime soon. And mentally prepare yourself for another for a lockdown. We may be getting we may be getting locked down again for four or six weeks. It's, it's a possibility. So take care of your mental, take care of yourself mentally, take care of yourself physically, spiritually, and you know, make the best or try to make the best out of what has been, you know, a, a crying and a you know difficult situation to say the least. That's gonna wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, as always. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash C slash Real Deal. Um, I will be back later in the week. Have a great rest of the evening. So long. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.